Grace and peace are yours in abundance in your knowledge of God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word for us on this Christmas Eve comes from both the Gospel reading that you heard from Matthew, and we draw also on Luke chapter 2, familiar verses, a few of which I'll read here, starting at verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, Who is Christ the Lord? And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is God's word. And have you ever noticed how many Stories are told at Christmas time. There's something about this season that lends itself to the enjoyment of good stories. And who doesn't like a good story? I mean, we have a limitless number of them to choose from, including, not limited to, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Clement Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas, shows like It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Story, All the Hallmark Christmas movies. A Charlie Brown Christmas. I haven't even mentioned The Grinch yet, or Elf. And we could do this all night. The song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, even refers to scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Hearkening back to the time when entertainment took place through the spoken word gathered around the fireplace on a cold December night. Then there are the shared stories that we tell each other when we get together with family and friends. Some of those stories we know very well because Grandpa tells them every opportunity he has. And sometimes we're surprised by a story we've never heard before. We never knew Aunt Margaret went to a Beatles concert when she was a teenager because, I guess, no one asked. The story at the heart of Christmas is a little like that. Whether you've grown up in the church or not, the account of Jesus' birth is both very familiar and potentially surprising all at once. The essentials of what happened in Bethlehem are still widely known to this day. The virgin birth, the humble stable, 
that image of the husband and wife with the child in the manger, the angels and shepherds, these are recognized by many people. But the surprise and even the shock happens when we listen to the whole story. As it turns out, the narrative of Jesus' birth is told not just once in the Bible, but twice. Same event. Two different perspectives. Same birth of the same child, but it feels like two Christmases. And that is very good news for you and me. Let's look at them both. The first is the one that I will call Luke's Christmas because it's found in Luke's Gospel. And this is the Christmas story that is without a doubt the most popular in American churches. Luke's Christmas prepares us for the birth of the Christ child by telling us about another birth, another miracle birth, the birth of John the Baptist. An angel announces that the conception of John will happen soon, which is a big deal, because everyone assumes Zechariah and Elizabeth were well past the point of creating a child together. Mary, the mother of the Christ child, also receives an angel who announces the imminent birth of Jesus. And the mothers of these miracle children get together and greet each other joyfully. They're amazed at what God is doing in their lives. A Roman census means Joseph and a very pregnant Mary must travel to Bethlehem where lodging is scarce, non-existent actually. The best that they can do is a stable. And there, the baby is born. Mary swaddles little Jesus. His first crib is the animal's feeding box. Angels appear to unknown shepherds with this message of the birth of a new king, Jesus the Savior. And this announcement is a signal that his kingdom will include the nameless, the disadvantaged. What we think of when we think of Christmas is built on Luke's gospel. Without Luke's report, there would be no nativity scene for artists to render No little figures to assemble beneath the tree or out in the yard. The Christmas carol is born in Luke's Gospel. Gloria in excelsis Deo starts here. As does my soul now magnifies the Lord. And Luke's Christmas includes the first Christmas sermon. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Simply put, Luke gives us the Christmas story. However, as I mentioned, there is another This I will call Matthew's Christmas because it's found in Matthew's Gospel. And this Christmas story is nowhere near as popular as Luke's for reasons which become fairly clear in the reading. Where Luke's angels bring good news to John the Baptist's father 
and to Jesus' mother that caused them to break out in celebration, Matthew's angel breaks into Joseph's dreams to tell him how this child is going to be conceived in his wife and that he shouldn't divorce her, but he should go ahead and marry her instead. This is not necessarily the kind of news that makes a person's heart leap for joy. And if we were to keep on reading Matthew's Christmas, what we would find is what happens next is some strange scholar ambassadors show up and ask for a meeting with King Herod, and they ask, where is he who's born King of the Jews? Because we've come to worship him. Little did they know that Herod protected his throne with murderous intensity and that their sincere question would lead to unspeakable violence in Bethlehem. Matthew's Christmas gives us a a scheming politician unafraid to use force to protect his crown angels giving instructions on how to escape death, and a holy family on the run. Matthew's Christmas has not spun off nearly as many quiet songs or pretty cards. It's a crash course in how Jesus will be treated by the world. Matthew's Christmas tells us that Jesus did not have to wait for adulthood to suffer. It was all around. In the stigma of his unwed, pregnant mother, in the stress of Joseph rushing the family off to Egypt, in the homicidal Herod of King, uh, homicidal hatred of King Herod, there are hints, hints of a cross. So how in the world do we resolve the tension between the two Christmases of the Bible? I'm not sure we can, or even that we should. Let me explain. There will be times in your life, there will be times in your holiday life, and your life in general, when it will resemble Luke's Christmas. All is calm. All is bright. God's blessings overwhelm you, breaking into your life like the angels surprising the shepherds. The good news of great joy is something that you can feel, a current of energy giving life to your faith, and everything just seems to fall into place. On the other hand, there will be times, and maybe that time is now, when your life is a lot more like Matthew's Christmas. A Christmas of trouble and suffering. You can identify with the strain in Joseph and Mary's relationship. You can identify with the mothers of Bethlehem 
in their grief and their sorrow. You can identify with news that completely upsets the flow of your life and changes your plans completely. Matthew's Christmas says that you are not shut out of what God is doing through Jesus if you're having a hard time right now. Jesus was born into a mess. But he makes it right. And he's come to make your mess right. That's what he's doing here. It's probably accurate to say that most of us will experience a Christmas somewhere between Luke and Matthew. While we dream of a Christmas filled with heavenly peace and do find genuine joy in the birth of our Savior, we're also bearing burdens, dealing with complications and disappointments. Luke, Luke wants you to celebrate and be amazed. And Matthew wants you to know this is no fairy tale. These things happen to real people with real problems. And either way, the point is the same. God kept his promise. He sent his son Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem. Jesus' mission was to destroy evil and sin without destroying us. He accomplished that mission through the perfect performance of God's law, his innocent sacrificial death, and his miraculous return to life. This was done for all people. And if you believe it, you have the gift of knowing how dearly and deeply loved you really are. This story is unlike any other. To hear it is to hear God's voice. To believe it is to know God's heart. Whether your Christmas is more like Luke or more like Matthew, the truth is, Jesus gave up everything to gain you. This is the Christmas story that will be told forever. Let's pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angel, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen.